0: Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com/sme today. Again, agorapulse.com/sme. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle.
1: And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner.
0: Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. We believe that with smart marketing, you can compete with the largest players in your industry. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. And hey, before I introduce today's guest and topic, I just want to wish a blessed Christmas to all of you who celebrate all around the world. Today, I'll be joined by Matt Johnston, and we're going to explore how to create video ads that convert across Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And by the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you do not miss any of our future content. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. And now for this week's interview with Matt Johnston.
1: Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide.
0: Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Matt Johnston. If you don't know who Matt is, you need to know who he is. He's a video marketing expert that specializes in Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube video ads. He's author of the book, Producing Empathy. He's also founder of Guide Social, an agency that helps e-commerce businesses boost their sales with video ads. Matt, welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me again, Mike. So today, Matt and I are going to explore
0: how to create video ads that convert. So Matt, I know you've been doing this for a little while. Why don't you explain to everybody who's not using video in their ads, why is video ads so important as we're recording this in late 2021?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's funny. I mean, in some ways, video is often looked at as sort of the new kid on the advertising block, but it's so much the old kid on the advertising block, you know? I mean, TV advertising is now like, I don't know, 100 years old. And it's been so powerful until the internet now is starting to shift things around. But there's a reason that television advertising has been the most powerful form of advertising in history. And that's Be Honestly, because of the video, it's not even so much the reach. It was the fact that we could put video content in front of people that would move people because people are moved by video. They see themselves in it and they see stories that they can relate to. And now I think what we're seeing is that it's even easier and cheaper to get in front of people with these. But there seems to be sort of a, hey, how do I make video for this platform? I'm not really sure what works, what doesn't work. And so I think that there's a lot of reasons why an important time to really get serious about this right now. I think that right now... As far as digital marketing goes, the landscape is just completely shifted in the last year alone. I mean, we've gotten to a point now where the algorithms just have no freaking idea what's going on now. <laughs> they just have no idea. They don't know who to find. Gone are the days where you could throw up a funnel throw up an image ad that had a picture of a product on it or something and just sell stuff because Facebook would be able to find the best people at the best time. It's not that the algorithm is dead, but with all the changes, iOS 14, etc., it's choked off the data. You choke off the data, you choke off the algorithm, you choke off the algorithm, you choke off the performance. And so we have to start thinking about, hey... Like, what did those TV advertisers know when they couldn't target so specifically? What did they have going on? And really, it comes down to, I think, building perfect creative that targets itself, where people can see exactly what this is and say, whoa, that appeals to me. That moves me. I have this problem, too. This is awesome. And... Then you tell the algorithms, you actually give them the data then because people are saying, whoa, I'm interested in this. So they're clicking whatever. And then the algorithm starts to say, oh, I see what type of people this is resonating with. But video is the only thing that can do that. It's just so difficult to build that kind of no like trust in an ad unless you're using video. You kind of
0: mentioned something about the video is the targeting or something along those lines. I think what I'm hearing you say, and tell me if I'm wrong, is that because we can't track as much as we used to, mostly because of privacy changes, right? Blockers, cookies, iOS updates, dot, 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 dot. The one thing that Facebook and Instagram can target specifically is the actions you do on their platform because that's first-party data, right? So that means if you watch a portion of the video well then we can retarget that because that data is not being blocked am i hearing you right or am i totally off on this
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And not just retarget, but every time that someone does something within one of your, let's just say for the lack of whatever, we're talking about Facebook ads here, you have a Facebook ad campaign and Facebook's goal is to go after your goal. So if you're saying, okay, Facebook ad, go after conversions, like go get sales. It's kind of like, okay, I don't know exactly who's going to buy this, but let's test some stuff out. Whereas before, the algorithm would have a lot of data because the pixel would have more data and it would be better at finding those people right off the jump. But even more than retargeting, if you have these video ads in there and you're giving people this like 30 second to a minute or even longer piece of content that they can interact with, you're not only building like a retargeting, you're actually building data for Facebook to say, oh, that's how this campaign works. So you want me to get sales with that video and I now I see who likes that video. So let's show it to more of those people. And so that's why I think it's so powerful. It can kind of target itself and really, really help the algorithm out. Okay, because
0: people are watching the video, the algorithm can look for patterns amongst those who are watching the video and try to find more people that fit that pattern. Is that really what I'm hearing you say?
1: Yeah, and also clicking it and interacting it in any other ways, sharing it. Got it. And really anything they could possibly do with a video.
0: Got it. And because it's a video asset and not just a image, there's more time people spend with it and more things that you can target is really what I'm hearing you say. Is that right?
1: Yeah, from a purely technical point of view, yeah, it really helps battle those things.
0: Okay, so you said earlier that video ads are also important because they've been around since the dawn of television, right? So what is it about video ads that you think makes them stand out differently than an image ad. I'm just curious. I think you hinted at it a little bit, but I want to dig a little bit deeper. Why video? Why does video work so well?
1: Well, I think you just get the opportunity to build affinity. You get people to like your brand and be interested in what you're doing before they even go through the rest of your funnel. I mean, everybody has a funnel, whether you're sending somebody to a product page and then they're buying something or signing up for a webinar or whatever it is. You're taking a lot of pressure off the rest of your funnel by having an ad that does that sort of selling for you. There's really two big things we're doing in ads these days because there's just so much stuff out there, right? And there's a lot of sub points in here, but we're basically battling skepticism, like mass skepticism. And we're creating excitement around a new opportunity. Those are the two things that we're doing in ads. So we have to build no like trust with people in our ad creative and we have to share with them how this is a new opportunity. And of course, it can only feel like a new opportunity if you can help people understand why it should matter to them, you know, empathetically. So uh, how do you do that in an image? I mean, that's a lot to ask of like a single image and a bunch of copy. And video can change all of those things. But then it also brings your other senses and your other ways of experiencing media. Because if you actually click it, you'll start hearing the music and you'll hear somebody's voice talking. And these visuals that you see will make you feel something. I mean, all of this is invaluable. And, you know, obviously we know that people end up making these decisions to buy something largely from an emotional place. So how do we move them? And the best start is with video because you can engage all their senses and really pull them in. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Yeah. And maybe a better way to answer this is when
0: was the last time you turned on a traditional television and saw an ad that just had a still graphic with words scrolling across the screen?
1: It'd be a huge failure. It's pretty rare,
0: right? It's pretty rare. So maybe we're really saying here is this is the past becoming the future, right? Because this is probably the future of all really good advertising is, you know, and one can argue we're actually able to do that in podcast form. We just can't see it but we can for sure hear it. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about some of the big mistakes that a lot of marketers are making when it comes to ads. What are some of the things that they should avoid with their video ads?
1: Yeah, it's tough. I get it. I mean, there's a lot of pressure right now to do video. And so a lot of people are just trying and there's a ton of soft, like massive amounts of software out there that's trying to do everything from AI create your videos to just make it like stupidly simple. So I completely understand. But I think one of the biggest problems, honestly, I see is that people get all like way too caught up in all that stuff that I just said, you know, like they get too caught up in the idea that this is a video. So therefore, this feels like completely outside my skill set and comfort zone. And what drives me crazy is that marketers say this. But what they don't realize is that the best videos use all that marketing 101 awesomeness that they already know. And maybe they're already using it in long form copy. Maybe they're already using it on landing pages, whatever it is. That's really what it comes down to. It comes down to what is the problem this solves? Because really businesses, like all business exists to solve problems, right? There's a hole in the market. Someone creates a business. There's a hole in the market because people have this problem and there's no great way to solve it or they need a better way to solve it. Well, we need to help people understand, okay, what's the pain? What's the problem? What's the solution? How is the solution unique? Why should I trust this? And how will I emotionally transform after I use it? That's what it's all about, but that could easily, and Mike, I know you have a big copywriting background. That's kind of the copywriting exercise, too, right? I mean, there's very similar, but we kind of forget about a lot of those things. And what I end up seeing a lot is sort of simple, like, hey, can I make a product like jiggle on the screen for 10 seconds because it's really important? You know, people have things they say like, oh, it's so important to just grab their attention. That's true but just having a product like jiggle and stop you is not going to necessarily make you buy something. Or sometimes you just spend too much time pitching, right? Instead of going from pain problem to new opportunity solution and transformation, instead, it'll be kind of like, hey, do you have this problem? Great, do this, do this. It's like pitching, 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 or it's sort of veiled pitching. And really like this sort of issue with showcasing the product and the obsession was show- showcasing the product and not talking about the people. That's the biggest issue. It's selfish. Advertising is the biggest problem that we have. People just think about what they want to sell, but not why people would want to buy it. We need to talk to them. We need to strike empathy with them.
0: I know that when we were preparing for this interview, you mentioned something about user generated content and the obsession with it. Oh, yeah. Talk to me about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I've worked with dozens and dozens, if not hundreds of e-commerce companies, especially. And there's just a sort of obsession around user-generated content. And some of it makes sense. I mean, obviously, there's probably people listening to this podcast who have made millions of dollars off of UGC content. But there's a lot of different types of ads that can make that. So basically, UGC, just to sort of qualify it, is you get your customers to make selfie videos on their phone talking about the like how much they love the product. And there's a lot you'll see this in the industry. People come to me all the time. They don't necessarily know exactly what type of videos we make, and they're like, "Oh, can you like cut off this UGC content or what kind of UGC content can we do? And because that's what all the Facebook groups and the gurus and things are talking about, but it's hugely overrated because what I see is, even though you have that social proof there, it doesn't respect the buyer's journey. There's like no marketing in it, right? So, yeah. People that are doing these videos, they don't really know how to give them direction. And so they end up just sort of talking about like this cool product. Love it. You should buy it, you know, sort of swing it around. And in my experience, you can do so it's hard to get these and people can spend so much time and energy trying to get people to send these back. And one out of every like 15 of them like works at all in testing. It's just a waste of money. If we just went back to basics, and started curating our advertising experience more, I think that it would be a way better use of time and money. And it's just something I talk about a lot because there's just sort of an industry misconception that UGC is the way to just grow and scale your business into the stratosphere. And I just don't think that's the case. Well, and
0: it's funny because we use testimonials in a lot of our marketing and we spend a lot of money to bring like video crews to social media marketing world, to have them record all these testimonials. And most of them we can't use because it's rambling ridiculousness. You know what I mean? Cause your average consumer doesn't know how to give a good testimonial. And the truth of the matter is we might end up getting it all transcribed into text and just be able to pull just a tiny little fragment of it. And the truth is that that's just a lot of work, right? it be, you'd be better off probably just throwing a little text up on the video <laughs> or a couple of little, you know, love the product. It exceeded my expectations. Jane Smith. You know what I mean? Like you'd probably be better off like extracting that stuff out of testimonials than trying to get a testimonial that's got good lighting, right? Got good audio that they're not rambling. I mean, like this is the challenge. Is right. This is why, so many of these testimonials on television are completely fake, right? Or they're actors that are reacting some sort of a weird testimonial. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I feel like testimonials are powerful, but also it's a lot of work because you got to throw away a lot of it, right?
1: Yeah. And it's also at what funnel stage are they at, right? I mean, you know, you have people at the top of the funnel who have never even heard of you, and you're trying to sell stuff to them. And then you have people at the bottom of the funnel who know very well who you are and what you sell. Right. And you're trying to push them over the edge. That's where social proof lives. You know. And you have to sort of respect where people are in that journey. And then it's fine if they're just talking about, oh, I love this. This is great. I mean, that's a testimonial. Right. But don't mistake a testimonial for like a powerful ad that can make people fall in love with you and buy from you. Because that is incredibly hard to do.
0: Okay, so given what we just talked about, how should we think about constructing, if you will, our video ads? Talk to me.
1: So obviously, like the psychographic stuff, it's the first thing that I do. When I first start working with a client, I talk about, you know, in my book and other places, I teach this like persona exercise where we go through pain points, problems, solutions, like all those things. And so that we have this avatar in mind and what they care about and what keeps them up at night. So there's lots of different like types of video ads that we make. There's one that we make in particular which it works the best for us, and it does all of these things. And it's sort of sort of a face to camera. We call it a centerpiece video. It's like a face to camera video that is usually incorporating humor, but generally, it's a cold to sold video, and it's written from the perspective. And I think this is really important because you can do these yourself. You want that protagonist to be a customer. The customer is the hero.
0: Okay. So just protagonist, for those of us that don't know those fancy words, like translate what protagonist means. Cause I <laughs> sucked at the English class when I was a student, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, it's Frodo in Lord of the Rings, right?
0: Okay. The central character, is that what it means? Okay.
1: It's the central character Okay, and it's our hero. You know, it's our hero. So our hero is a customer. Well, more of a former customer. And what the video basically does is it tells a very simple story of having a problem, not knowing how to solve it, encountering this solution, which seemed very new and different, and then feeling the, you know, to use a marketing term, after state of that, meaning they've gone through, they've become a customer and that makes them feel X, Y, Z, which, you know, amazing, whatever. And it's very powerful because it's all, you know, my book's Producing Empathy, I'm obsessed with empathy and really it strikes that chord. So people are seeing themselves or at least the ideal target audience, they're seeing a version of themselves up there talking about the problem that they have. And just to be clear, these are like, scripted videos with an actor they're usually they're not like super super high budget but they're well shot videos where you have an actor talking to the camera and talking through i had this problem didn't know how to solve it i hit a tipping point and all of a sudden my friend told me about xyz and then i was like i don't know i'm skeptical then i tried it and then i have et cetera. So that's what I love. That kind of stuff works extremely well. It's just marketing 101, right? Like what is the problem? So let's back up for a little bit. I know we're going to get into this character
0: development and all this kind of stuff in just a second, but you briefly mentioned a core principle, which is what do they care about? And I know there's some other parts of this, but let's like dissect this a little bit. Like what are the basic principles before we worry about who the character is going to be and all that fun stuff? So what are the main elements
1: the main elements are what is the core problem that the product or service solves. That's the most important thing because that's the pain and I have this thing that I teach called the problem solution framework where I sort of I rate how problem aware the ideal customer is and how solution aware they are and that sort of helps you direct how you approach the creative. So like do people even know they have this problem? Mm. For example, I mean, social media marketing world, what would you say the core problem is that that solves?
0: Keeping up with all the changes in the marketing world that are happening in the social world so that they can go home and be the hero for their boss or their clients.
1: Sure, sure. So then you'd ask yourself, okay, so if we take our ideal target customer, someone who would come and enjoy our event, how aware are they that they have this problem? Or do we need to move them up that ladder? Yeah,
0: they're very aware that they're operating in a world of chaos.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, great. So so then that's how you speak to them, right? It's like the the golden rule of marketing, meet them where they are. Right. So we know they're super problem aware. And then how aware are they of the solution, right?
0: Less aware, you know, less aware. They think that they need to constantly read everything and watch every single video and listen to every podcast episode. And they don't have time for that.
1: Right. So then they end up having analysis paralysis, right? Yeah, exactly. They don't know what to focus on. Right. I always love this scale because you're saying, okay, so they're super problem aware, but they're not very solution aware. Right. Like they know they have this problem, but they have no idea how to solve it, which gives your creative this great opportunity to swoop in as the hero of their story. Right. Mm. And you're going to focus on the new opportunity side of it. So now I've got pretty much everything I need for a script because I know who they are. I know what they care about. I know what their core pain point is or the problem is that they solve that keeps them up at night. It's an emotional problem too, not just like a logical problem. And I know what the unique solution is. That's the core. Meet them where they are.
0: Yeah, and I didn't say what they care about, but I would imagine in this case, what they care about is... They want to be successful, you know, in their market and they want to look good to their employer or to their clients. They want to deliver expected results, which is more sales, more leads, more eyeballs. Right. And they want sanity. (laughs) (laughs) Right. They don't want to live in a world of constant suspension. They want to live in a world of greenfield opportunity where they get to choose where they want to go and not have to worry about being forced there against their will.
1: Right. And you can sort of see the video, right? You have a person who's just so confused, like they're just scrolling around. They're checking all their devices. There's a new piece of advice in their feed every two posts telling them to do something. Oh, you need to post five times a day on TikTok. No, have you looked at Twitter lately? Wait a minute, but hold on. There's a huge opportunity over on YouTube. And then their brains explode. Exactly. You know, and then we can sort of come in and be like, you know, listen, you don't have to look everywhere. There's just one place to look and focus. And then the feeling of that is like a release, you know, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, how I have these like four R's that help you write these scripts. But the last one is release, where you basically all the tension you've built up by like having this emotional problem gets like released and it feels amazing. Huh.
0: I like this. Okay. So at the core level, you know, what do they care about? And we should all know that because we're marketers, right? We should know what our audience cares about and what is the problem that the product solves, right? And then I think the key, like you said, is how aware are they of their problem and how aware are they of the solution, right? And depending on if they're not aware of the problem, that's a whole different ball of wax, right? You know, and if they are aware of the problem, hopefully that makes it a little easier but I would imagine most of the cases you're working with either not aware of the problem or not aware of the solution. Is that right?
1: It's super interesting. And this is why I love this so much, because it directs all your marketing when I because I teach college, too. And sometimes when I'm teaching this in a college classroom, I'll teach them that like, OK, so what if someone is a 10 on the problem scale and a 10 on the solution scale? They're like, wow, that means that they really know what they need. You know, and I'm like, yeah, that's like a plumber. Like when your faucet starts spitting water into your face, you know what your problem is and you know what the solution is. You need to call a plumber. And so that marketing needs to deal with the fact that it's going to be highly competitive. There's a billion plumbers. How do I choose this plumber? So that's the challenge. That's the core challenge of that marketing exercise. And that video is like skepticism and social proof. Whereas if you have something where... It's, you know, I, I've worked with a lot of Shark Tank companies and sometimes people don't even know they have the problem because it's Correct. an invention. Right. So we have to educate them on basically the problems that they may not even have thought about. And pe- people will sit in the audience, you know, and we show them that by empathy. We actually show them the problem and they sit back and they're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that does suck. <laughs> And so that's how that ad works. And then we can, you know, present them the solution there. Because chances are, if they're not problem aware at all, they're not solution aware at all. The scale is magic for marketing. It really is. I love it. And the whole video ad and the way that you'll structure it, you could use this for any type of video ad, really hinges on that.
0: Well, and as I'm listening to you, I also think this could be a written email ad. I mean, you know, I mean... a script is a script, whether it's acted or spoken or read. You know, I would imagine these principles will apply in almost any medium. But we're talking about video today. But I would imagine if it works in video, it could work in an email blast. And it could also work in an audio recording. Could it not?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's just really core marketing stuff. Right. I think that the advantage we have with video is that Really, like the buyer's journey, I feel personally is an emotional journey. And I feel very strongly that video is the most powerful and also easiest way to make people feel something right and it's also happens to be the most accessible with the current digital landscape like we just see more it's easier to get videos in front of people than even landing pages than even podcasts in some ways and certainly emails with our you know 15 to 20% open rates and then we're paying to get them on our list and everything videos can just be in front of you and you get the opportunity to see you know you get sucked into a world for a little bit
0: Okay. So let's get back to scripting these. You were talking about who's the main character going to be, and you were talking about how there should be a person. I know that you probably hire actors to do this, or you do some of them yourself, but like help us understand like who should be the face and what do we need to be thinking about when we're putting a face in this video?
1: Well, it's got to be a customer. Well, not a real customer. Yes, I do hire actors.
0: (laughs) Someone representing the customer, right?
1: Right. Somebody who uh, who represents a customer. And I say that meaning like, for example, not the owner of the company. You know, th- it's way more powerful to do this because it has sort of a third party feel to it. Right. It almost feels like a testimonial. Right. Everybody knows that it's not a testimonial because you can tell that it's a script. Right. But so it's a commercial, just like any commercial. But having it be the customer strikes that empathetic bond. So in the first 10 seconds, you're able to really strike that emotional connection with people saying, oh, I see myself up there. And that immediately sucks them in and pulls them through. So when you're looking for who's going to do this, if you're hiring an actor or if you have somebody on your team that can pull it off, it's somebody that can stand in for the customer. So if you've done the work of the persona exercise or somebody else's exercise that zeroes in on your core avatar target customer, just figure out who that person is, what their deal is, you know, like how much money do they make a year? What do they care about? Do they have kids? All that core psychographic stuff. And then that's your character. And you're going to take that person through. And, you know, that's their character because the the people that are going to be watching it are other versions of that person.
0: So if you're targeting middle-aged men, then you need to have a middle-aged guy. If you're targeting uh, moms, then you got to have someone who looks like a mom. I mean, is that kind of what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. Okay.
1: Right. From a purely like, who do you choose to do it? then yes, absolutely.
0: Okay. So, and then how should they be talking about, you know, what they're going to be talking about? Like, because obviously you mentioned, you know, what do they care about and what are the problems and stuff? So how do we take this problem awareness, solution awareness, what do they care about stuff and kind of work it into a script, if you will, that's going to resonate with our target audience?
1: Yeah, well, so so this is where my sort of four R's come in here, which are relate, rile, reveal, and release. And it's just sort of four cornerstones that help you sort of articulate the journey that this person goes through. So for example, I think an example would help be helpful, right?
0: Yeah. And let's go through all four of those R's too, where we're given that example.
1: Yeah, we will. Right. So a client of ours who was on Shark Tank, called HydraVeve, we made a video for them that was exactly in this realm. We've done a few different versions of it. If you wanna see it, I acted in it, so you may have already seen it. They sell water filters that are custom built for your water. And they, you install them under your sink in like 15 minutes. So that's their whole thing. They're custom built, they were founded by a PhD scientist, right? So they know what the water is in your zip code and they create the filter for it so that you get great water all the time and it comes right out of your faucet. So what they had told me in early conversations was that the main reason that urged people to buy these filters or go down the buyer's journey was they saw something on the news, you know, like, oh, there's like a bunch of lead in your water. And there's a huge water problem in the United States, as I've come to learn by working with these folks. So often people will see it on the news. It'll often be sort of woman of the house, like we'll see it in the news and they'll be like, oh, man, this is not good. What do I do about it? So when I was writing this, so the first one is relate. And so I bring up the see on the news thing because that's where relate comes it's empathy. So how do I sort of mirror that?
0: Wait, wait, wait. Well, what was the part you brought up something about the news thing? Like, how did you do the relate? Tell me that again.
1: Yeah. So with the relate, since most of the customers, they see something on the news about how bad the water is. I said, OK, well, then let's empathize with that person in the relate phase. Ah. So this person will literally go through that. So I think the first line of the video was, listen, I didn't. I never even thought about my water filter, which is often how most of us feel. Right. But then I saw something on the news and it made me feel like, is my family safe right now? You know, and so that's where that relate comes in. Right. It wasn't Uh, a problem. Just like everybody else feels. I wasn't aware of this problem. It didn't feel like much to me. But then I saw this. Then it felt like maybe it was a big deal. So that's sort of the relate stage.
0: Okay, good. Keep going.
1: So, the rile stage, that's where the like tension starts to build that you have to eventually release. So, in the rile stage, the character sort of hits their breaking point. So, this is where she starts this avatar She, I did it with a female actress as well, but it didn't matter in this case. We sort of doing research around and figuring out, okay, how do I solve this problem? And it gets this character gets very frustrated. They're riled up. How do I fix this problem? There are no good solutions, there are water filters. That I can like spend all this money and drill into my countertop, or I could, I suppose, like just keep doing my fridge water filter, but I am told that actually doesn't work. So, what do I do? There are no good solutions out there. So, she's hit a fever pitch where she's just kind of like, listen, like, I have been told I have a really big problem that I cannot solve, and that creates a lot of tension. Does that make sense? So that's the rile state.
0: Totally. Yeah. I'm tracking with you. I'm tracking with you. So, so far the relate is, Hey, I heard something on the news and I'm wondering, is my family safe? So, because you know that that's actually what's going on in this audience is niche. Cause they've been hearing about all this crazy stuff. The rile stage is when something they're frustrated because they can't, easily solve this problem without like going and doing what I did in my house, which is having all these things under my sink and the special dispenser or taking up a shelf in my refrigerator. And now I don't have room to put my orange juice, you know, that kind of stuff. Right.
1: Right. Right. Exactly.
0: Okay, good. And then keep going.
1: So then it's reveal. so, So this is where we introduce the solution. And usually... I have some little tactics I use to introduce it, right? Like one way that it's introduced is the sort of social proof avenue, which I've, I've found works really well, where a friend told me about this. Ah, okay. You know, and that's obviously powerful. But another one, and obviously, just because I've worked with so many Shark Tank companies for some reason. I saw it on Shark Tank. Do you say I saw it on I saw Shark- it on Shark Tank, yes. I I was watching Shark, in fact, I think in this ad, it says something like, I was watching Shark Tank one night And all of a sudden, this guy came on, this scientist, and he was just talking about these types of water filters that are actually built for the water in your zip code. And I guess they only take 15 minutes to install. Right. So that's sort of the reveal of that. But uh, I've also used ads before. I've said like, oh, I was scrolling through my Instagram and I saw an ad for this thing. And at first I was like, eh, it's just another piece of garbage. But then I decided to look a little bit deeper. Right. So that's the reveal. And that's where you have the opportunity to show the new opportunity. But hopefully you guys are all starting to see how this can be more powerful coming from the customer. Because if this was written from the perspective of the company, you just wouldn't believe it as much, right? Like we do this, we do that. Our thing is this, our thing is that. It's just not as powerful.
0: Okay. So now how about the release?
1: Well, the release, again, it takes the tension. So relate, empathetically relate, Ryle is where it's kind of like emotionally frustrating, right. like it keeps me up at night and that creates tension that makes you feel, you know, tense. And so we need to release that tension.
0: Wait, wait, did we release this last though? Right. Or is it third? Did I get it out of order?
1: Yeah, no, it's fourth. It's fourth. So relate, rile, reveal, release. But it's a direct sort of, it's from the rile. So all that tension that's built up get released. They try the product, they decide what the heck, I'm going to throw caution to the wind and just go for it, even though I saw it in a Facebook ad. And I have to tell you, it was so easy to install. I feel like I've actually done everything I can for my family, right? So it has to be emotional. And I think what's cool about this is it's so much about the customer. And we spend so much time and energy on features and benefits in ads when we need to be talking more about the problems they solve. And this emotional journey, that's the whole ball of wax. And so what we've really done is we've fictionalized the entire buyer's journey through the eyes of a potential customer. Hmm. And we've released that tension at the end that they've had. We've solved that problem. They feel amazing. They feel great. Everything is as it should be. They're so excited to share it with you.
0: (laughs) Okay, this is cool. I actually can envision this now. It's fascinating because I've had so many people on this show in the past that have talked this thing through with me, but I don't think they've simplified it in such a way that I can now envision it the way that you just did, which is awesome. Give us some tips on actually filming because... You know, it's one thing to come up with this. It's another thing to actually turn on the camera and hit record. So yeah. talk to me a little bit about some of the things that you've determined because you've done so many of these things. What tips do you have for our audience when it comes to actually hitting record?
1: I mean, don't be afraid of working with actors. First of all, they're great. And it's not going to cost you like a million dollars to hire a great actor. I'm not going to pretend that it's easy to direct them. But at the same time, like it's a great exercise. So tips. Whoever you decide to have on camera, they don't need to memorize it. I highly, I'm a big, big, big fan of just letting them wing it. Not like throwing your teleprompter away. Yep. Okay. No teleprompter. <laughs> I hate teleprompters because they make you sort of sound like you're reading. And I don't believe that. If I don't believe it, I won't get sucked into the drama. I have something that. Uh, I call the dive bar test, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> which is if you wouldn't say it like that to a friend in a dive bar, don't say it at all, <laughs> you know. So so this kind of gets people um, talking conversationally. Okay. In fact, I have this a lot of times with actors. They'll start talking like spokespeople and I'll be like, who are you talking to? Like a big room of people. I'm the only one here. Yes. Like just talk to one person. Today we're one.
0: here to talk about the M1000. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. People just like fall into that, right? Like yeah. they walk into the engagement with me and they're like, okay, I'm here to do a commercial. And I'm like, yeah, oh, you'd be better off saying, is- hey,
0: have you seen this M1000 thing that everything, everybody's talking about? I mean, that's
1: better. So much more powerful, right? right? But like, it's just one of these things where you have to just like bring it to their attention. Every time that I give that direction, people are like, oh yeah, talk, yeah, spokesperson." (laughs) got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Talk to one person. In fact, I actually, this is a trick. I wasn't gonna bring this up, but it's funny. When I work with actors, I always make them actually point out who they're talking to. Like last week, I did one for a baby product that helps like improve your breast milk. And I was like, who are you talking to? And she's like, okay, a real person? I'm like, yeah. She's like, okay, my sister. I was like, okay, what's your sister's name? Loretta. Great. This whole thing, you got to be talking to Loretta. Right. <laughs> and it works.
0: Why is that so important? Because she could actually imagine herself saying this to her sister. Is that why that's so important?
1: Yeah. And it's like another version of the dive bar test. Like, because I'll be like, is that how you would say that to Loretta? Like all of a sudden they'd be like, it's filled with amazing greens and this and that. Okay. Is that <laughs> how we, is that a commercial or is that like, would, would you say it to Loretta that way? Yeah. 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 I be like, that. oh no, of course not. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk to Loretta. <laughs> you know? Okay, cool. Yeah. And you know, Don't memorize it. Just shoot it in 10 second chunks. Okay. And just edit from there. And I mean, I obviously edit the heck out of these. But I mean, at the end of the day, there's so many core marketing principles in this. If you can nail the script, like you've really come a long way with it, right? And then it can sort of scale.
0: Do you read the script to them like one sentence at a time and then just tell them to say it back in their own words so they got it? You know what I mean? Like,
1: no, 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 because then they would do it the way that I would do it. I don't want that.
0: So what do you just hand it to them and tell them to, okay, do you let them look at it for a second and then practice a couple of variations and then, and then hit record?
1: Well, you know, they've got it a couple of days in advance okay. and, you know, I tell them not to memorize it and then they've, they've just got it sitting in front of them. So yeah. they'll do a line and then they'll look down and they'll yeah. do a line and yeah. that's sort of how it'll go. But it works really well. Oh, and the other really technical thing is I edit these extremely fast paced, like breakneck pace, like changing things all the time. And that's just pattern interrupt tactics, you know, just to keep people's attention. So
0: explain a little bit more about what you mean by that.
1: For example, I won't hold on one single shot for more than four seconds or so, you know, so I might crop the camera in a little bit. I actually always shoot everything in 4K so I can easily crop the camera in, but you don't have to get too fancy with that. But I crop the camera in a little bit. I cut to a piece of B-roll and I always do shoot B-roll when I'm with the actors and I point out specific points. But yeah, we're always sort of pattern interrupt. And you let their voice run
0: underneath all this stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. this is we do a lot of this on our YouTube channel too. You can use animation as B-roll, which is what we do on our YouTube channel. So when you say one shot per second for four seconds, I mean, some sentences are longer than four seconds, but you're talking about zooming in on them and stuff like that, right? If they're in the midst of a sentence, some sentences take longer than four seconds. So when you say one shot per four seconds, you just mean you don't let the scene stick for more than four seconds before something changes visually. Is that what I'm hearing you say?
1: Right. Yeah. It's really just a trick to keep people's attention. Like I'll just do, I'll crop in and do a slightly closer shot. I'll change the angle. I'll cut to B-roll. just keeps people, it's pattern interruption. What about humor? Yeah. So this is a tough one because humor to me is a very core part of it. But I do feel that it's something that people get intimidated by, just like they get intimidated by video and they don't realize they've got it all. I I never considered myself funny at all as a writer, but I started writing these and something just worked. And I think it's just because it comes from an empathetic place. And I have a couple of tricks, but I think the biggest one is self-deprecating humor can tend to be easier to write and work kind of well. And also just to sort of clarify why I think humor is important, because these ads build affinity. And not only do they sort of stick in people's minds more when that emotional like dopamine hit of laughter comes or even just any like that kind of enjoyment, but also it just sort of subconsciously makes them like the brand. You know, and, and so it is powerful in that way. But self deprecating humor is great. For example, in Hydraviv, when I wrote that one, I was the one that acted in the first one. I just shot it myself and edited it because I was testing the format and it blew up. And I just kept making fun of myself as like, a not handy person, you know, who was kind of like trying to prove to the person that he was talking to that he wasn't handy. Like, oh, I know I'm so handy, but even I could install it. I was making fun of how handy I am around the house, you know, Got it. and it worked at the end of the day. So I think that self-deprecating humor can be really good. Tell me about your fish out of water concept. Yeah. I mean, that can be tough to pull off, but it's funny. I was, um, I mean, I've been doing this stuff for a long time. I used to run video at New York Magazine and we used to do a lot of funny videos at New York Magazine with like comics and stuff. But like the comic in and of himself, unless he's doing stand up, is not funny. So I remember I was talking to like my lead producer once. who's great at like doing humor based video um, like a couple of years later. And I was like, what is it that made our videos funny? And we were talking about it and we were like, you know what? I think it's just like these two opposing forces completely battling each other. You know, like you have, again, a fish out of water is a place where a fish should not be. Right. I see. Like you put a wealthy person on the subway or something, you know, know, like like a place where they aren't. Right. right. Okay. And it can tend to like stick out and then that person feels very awkward and everybody around that person feels awkward. And so it just sort of creates this situation where it's just inherently funny. It's just two contradicting points sort of coming together. It's a little bit more on the advanced scale, I would say, though.
0: Matt, this has been really fascinating stuff. If people want to check you out, where do you want to send them if they want to discover more about
1: you? Got a URL, guidesocialglobal.com slash SME. And I've got some cool stuff for you there.
0: And as far as the socials go, do you have a preferred platform if you want someone to reach out to you on the socials?
1: I'm pretty much by Matt J everywhere that I can imagine. So feel free to hit me up on those. By Matt J on
0: all the social platforms.
1: Yeah, I think all of them. All
0: right. Matt Johnston, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights with us. I know many of my listeners are probably like, "Okay, I'm going to give this a shot. (laughs) Thanks again. (laughs) I like it. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 490. And if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, let your friends know about this show. I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and Merry Christmas again. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your
1: world.